Welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. All right, everybody, welcome to the Confessional Podcast. My name is Mike Moran, and I'm joined, as always, by trusty producer. Trusty. Trusty, rusty, dusty, and crusty. Wow. I like the first adjective the best, I gotta say. And another adjective I'll use for you, Seleski. Okay. Please welcome Jimmy Seleski. You know, uh, thank you, Mike. I'm glad to be here. I always thought of my name as more of a verb. Like two I don't, I don't know what that crap is. All I know is a noun is a person, place, or thing, so it's anything, pretty much, yeah, right? Yeah, and an adjective describes someone. You know what I did learn recently, though, Jimmy? Hmm. That when, when you're saying a noun thing, you put, the, you put the emphasis on the first syllable. When it's a verb, you put it on the second syllable. Okay. Um, well, I think you're thinking of... Okay, so you say, like, this is a minute. That's a noun. A minute. That's right. a thing. right. But if I said that's a minute detail, right? Is that that's not the same word though, is it? I it's, mean, it's spelled the same. But you're not saying that's a minute detail, are you? Uh, you no, know, you're saying it's a minute detail, right? Yeah, minute and minute are not the same word. It's a minute detail, as well, in it, it would take a minute, you know, for it to this, matter. This whole this whole minute long bit is minute. <laughs> that's uh, true, Jimmy. We're gonna try something a little different today. Okay, we're gonna mix things up a bit. Mm-hmm. We're going to go rogue. Rogue. What okay. we're going to do is we are going to, um, uh, we're, we're starting a new uh, side series called How They Should Have Done It. Okay. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to take movies and, and we're going uh, to scrutinize them and we're going to say, nope, you should have came to me because mm-hmm. I got a better idea. That's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, our first guest for this new project of ours is uh, a gentleman who is uh, a Baltimore staple. He does a lot of uh, performance, karaoke-type stuff. He's also a comic book writer. Mm-hmm. Please welcome Pat Stork to the show, everybody. Hello there. Welcome, Pat. Back, back to the show. Pat. He's been here. Yeah. And we're here to tell him how he should have done his career. <laughs> I could have definitely used the help. Okay, so. okay. But, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Um, Pat, tell us a little bit about what you're working on. You're writing comics, uh, you... Well, right now, uh, the comic book stuff is kind of at a standstill just because well, a lot of the licenses are up in flux, and I don't know. They, just, huh. The work what? is the work is a little bit thin. Really? But, that seems like a, a corona-proof uh, industry. Uh, no? Well, we did have a couple months where comic shops in general were closing, and then we right, had, yeah. I think, like two months where Diamond, the distributor, was flat out oh closed. wow wow uh, but that's i mean that's all back up and running now um but the places where i know editors and could get onto gigs uh-huh. right now just so it, taking new what projects. were what were you writing for you're writing for shrek right uh, i did some shrek comics uh madagascar i did disney princesses i did uh some ducktales i did a bunch of muppet books wow um yeah, so a lot of all ages stuff, basically. Okay, uh, but yeah, had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, some of them they're a little bit more protective of the licenses than others, right? Um, 
Yeah, didn't she say like the Disney princesses aren't supposed to look at each other or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's just part of the style guide. Uh, at least it was at the time. I know um, Disney has made exceptions on some of the stuff that I had seen previously in style guides. But yeah, yeah they were supposed to each be in right. their own separate universe. So you could have a group shot of them. Sure. But it would be implied that it was a collage, not that they were all in the same room. Not because they're, they're all out. individually. Yeah. yeah. So you're like a controlling boyfriend for these uh, yeah. Disney princesses. Actually. Uh, you're like, don't, don't look at her. Don't, why are you looking at her? <laughs> no. um, honestly, actually, a lot of the stuff that came down from One High was kind of very much the opposite. Make sure that none of the stories are about a man finding a man, keeping a man, you know, keeping their man happy. Like, you right, know, right. Prince Charming, like, if he's going to appear. They're woke you know, now. They're woke now. Basically, like, they, they, there is a long enough history of all of these characters in stories like that. Right. So they're not necessarily burning all that. What, what I take issue with is the fact that they're princesses. I, by, by definition, royalty means that you are using force to enslave people, right? To to rule, people. yeah, yeah. Nobody voted you in, yeah. It's it, true. No, it, it's Especially not an elected position, but um, elected princess. That's yeah. the thing. Like princesses and queens historically have not, at least publicly, had as much power. Sure. So I wouldn't say that they're necessarily like dictators on anything. I don't know. The whole family is, in theory. I mean, it, look. No, it's, I will say that almost. I would say more often than not, a Disney princess will have married into the royalty, so they wouldn't be of the actual, I don't know, existing uh-huh. monarchy. Right. It's, but, just, yeah, it's I mean, weird they do that we don't in. acknowledge that you know royalty is a dictatorship in essence. Yeah, but that's what makes the princesses so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All that control. Yeah. All right, we're going to start off. Okay, um, so the first movie that we're going to do, Pat, mm-hmm. is the 28th teen film Halloween mm-hmm. which is a sequel to another film called Halloween not to be confused with the 2007 film Halloween called Halloween I think I follow now um just but real- not to be confused with it follows which borrowed a lot of elements from the 1970 Disney princesses Disney princesses mm-hmm. which I believe at that time would have been the black hole uh which was a spacefaring princess vehicle really huh Okay. Space royalty, space authoritarianism. Right. Yeah. I guess there's. The no, I guess frontier. that's international waters. That's right now. definitely international yeah. waters. Uh, Pat. Now, what was your? Uh, what What are your basic thoughts on on the 2018 Halloween film? Well, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I actually think it's probably my favorite of the sequels. Okay. Uh, I thought it kept a lot of the tone and ideas of the first one of just. No, first, I mean, it, it, it wasn't the sister storyline, which always seemed a little bit soap opera Okay. Um, it dealt with uh, survivor's remorse. Ah. Um, it did enough callbacks to the original to, you know, be like you know Easter eggs or cookies for sure. fans, but it worked them in usually in ways that made sense logically for the plot. It wasn't just shoehorning in, here's a cameo, guys. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, they they had like they had references to all the films, which was kind of cool. Like yeah. they had the, they had the masks from Halloween three. Mm-hmm. 
They had uh, uh, they had Buster Rhymes show up at one point oh, to God, do a little no, number, do a little hip hop Halloween rap. I would have cool. that would have been a reason for me to walk out of the theater, <laughs> which I should have done during the actual yeah. Buster. They, Rhymes they have uh, they have uh, Mickey Mickey from the the monkeys who showed up in one of the Rob Zombie films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt got killed again just because. Right, yeah. <laughs> I supported that. Did you? Yeah. You kind of look like. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jimmy. Anyone ever tell you that? No. No, no, no. no. I, I would prefer like a Heath Ledger. Even I don't think I look like either of them. Right, right. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a little too, I don't know. Well, you know, if you're, right, if you're writing up a paper for college, you always want to use a Heath Ledger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either way, some of your best work is in Christopher Nolan movies. Exactly. That's, hey, hey, what are you going to do? But one way, I'm still alive. Right, right. Well, the other- I go that route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, if you want to consider that a plus. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, <laughs> we're gonna jump right into a, a confession now. Because this show is a little different than normal, Pat. The, mm-hmm. the confessions are a little different too. They're a little longer, and, and we have we have kind of a we have a special confession from uh, Mike Vanderbilt. From uh, the, he's on the Halloweenies podcast, and he's also on the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show podcast. Um, I know Halloweenies is within consequence of sound. I don't know about the second one. He describes himself as a bartender, psychotronic film historian, and and uh, co-host of these podcasts uh, from Chicago, Illinois. Mike Vanderbilt says, As I was sitting at the U.S. premiere of Halloween 2018, a colleague asked if I was excited or already hating on the sequel. A fair, if presumptive, question but I did have faith in David Gordon Green and Danny McBride taking a crack at the long-running horror franchise. While every Nightmare on Elm Street sequel is good to great, and the Friday the 13th series ebbs and flows but has a solid run from the original until Jason lives, the Halloween films fall off sharply after the 78 original. The makers of the Halloween sequels impressively convolute one of the most simple and terrifying concepts in horror films, a silent killer stalking and murdering babysitters for no apparent reason. Halloween 2 at least recaptures some of the aesthetic qualities, but remains a slog, and the rest of the sequels are low-rent junk that never even come close to John Carpenter's original. So, two comedy guys tackling a reboot? Why not? How much worse could it be? Ostensibly, Halloween 2018 may be the best sequel to the uh, game-changing classic, uh, Season of the Witch Notwithstanding. And leading up to the film's release, it was refreshing to read that Green and McBride would be ignoring the events of the sequels, including the notion that Michael and Lori are brother and sister. A plot thread uh, introduced in Halloween 2 that was no doubt fallout from the success of Empire Strikes Back, or soap operas if you listen to Pat. No, no, uh, Empire definitely was a part of it. Everybody wanted that big reveal, that big twist. Sure, sure. And Carpenter even admitted as such that... Right, he said it was from that. He said that that was... I'm glad he didn't pull in Ewoks. Well, uh, Jedi hadn't come out yet, but they would consider Ewok masks for Halloween 3, I think. It would have been (laughs) Ewoks. I'd be okay with that. Then, yeah, Ewoks, Yodas. And then you got Jar Jar coming around for H2O. Uh, But uh, (laughs) we're not done here. Uh, However, as quickly as the writing team threw out all the nonsense from the family relationship to the cult of Thorn, they began to make all of the same mistakes. I squirmed in my seat each time Dr. Sartan appeared. And from the gas station death of the podcasters, the film started to become a greatest hits of the lame sequels that the makers initially set out to ignore with a widely misplaced sense of humor that never seems in the world they create where Laurie Strode has lived 
as a traumatized survivalist. That moment where she chugs a glass of red wine at dinner is played for laughs, undercutting any development that had been made for the character. And as nonsensical as Michael and Lori's brother and sister is, it really is the only thing that can explain why after 40 years he would still be thinking about the one that got away. Uh, despite the press surrounding Halloween 2018, this was going to be a different sort of film. The film introduces Laurie Strode's granddaughter, if only to provide a game of teenagers for Michael to kill in typical slasher movie fashion. The more interesting relationship is that of Curtis Strode and her daughter, played by the always wonderful Judy Greer. I often recall that I had seen Suspiria and Halloween, the same film festival, and wanted the former to be trashier and the, la- the latter to be artier. I would have said artsier. Artsier. He said artier. Mm. Needless to say, I was disappointed. If Halloween truly wanted to be the definitive follow-up to the night he came home, the filmmaker should have stepped back, grounded it more in the suburban Midwest reality, and truly focused on the effect that fateful Halloween night had on Strode and Haddonfield itself, a concept Carpenter at one point wanted to bring in the 81 sequel. It could have been an opportunity to make a sequel for fans who grew up alongside the series and a more adult tone, exploring Laurie's trauma rather than making her a boilerplate character in the era of trauma exploitation. Greed and McBride squandered so many opportunities to make something truly memorable and special and simply cranked out another forgettable Halloween sequel, but one that thinks it has more pathos than it actually does. Pathos, right? Pathos, pathos is correct. Okay, mm-hmm. pathos. Um, right. Okay, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for the, for the most part, I agree with Mike there. It's, uh, I, I, they, it, was a very, it was interesting. It was a very interesting take at it, but it didn't, it, it, it isn't a masterpiece. Uh, I mean, to expect any given movie to be a masterpiece going in is usually yeah, true. dangerous true. at first. Uh, I do think that it elevates itself over most of the sequels in that it actually had a point to make uh, right. that kind of gets overlooked. But if you listen to Laurie Strode's dialogue through most of the film, uh-huh. I feel like Almost anything she has said is something you could ascribe to John Carpenter talking about the Halloween series as she talks about Michael. Oh, so there's kind of a meta thing going on there. Yeah, I think there is a very heavy meta thread in the movie where Uh. Laurie is talking about, you know, it needs to die. It keeps coming back. Nobody knows how to kill it. I am ready. It's going to come for me. Right. And because people kept going back to Carpenter, wanting him to be a part of the series, and he just wanted it to die. Yes. Like, I mean, yes, he gets all of the, you know, royalties. Sure. But at the same time, there's no story left there. There's nothing there. And Laurie describes Michael as pretty much, you know, there's nothing there except, you know, this need to kill. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Mike raised an interesting point with the idea that what is the reason that Michael would be stalking her? I mean, if we're just going that the first movie existed, Mm -hmm. as as far as we know, all Michael is is like a a misogynist uh, sexual predator in a way, right? Like he he just kind of gets off on killing women. Uh, I think, well, in the original, it was the babysitter angle um, that he had been neglected by his sister. Uh Uh-huh. Um, like he always had something in him that was going to snap. That just right. happened to be the thing that he well, latched I, onto. I got the sense trigger. that he he killed her because she had sex. She had sex instead of watching him. Yeah, yeah. And he then resented babysitters, right. and they weren't protecting the children. 
He never actually tries to kill a child in the first or, uh, you know, or the right. new one. Um, I, I thought mean, he, he actually does kill a child in the new one, doesn't he? Which is really rare. Doesn't he, like, strangle a child? I don't. Pretty sure he does. Mm. I mean, maybe he survived. I don't know what his... I don't remember. I mean, uh, there was the kid outside of the school bus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kid lives. Oh, okay. I thought so. Oh, but... So originally, he, he I, it, you took it as like a resentment towards babysitters. I took it as like th- this this old school uh, misogynist kind of hatred of women um, becoming sexual and like kind of coming out of. Yeah, I mean that could oppression. be there as well. I don't think a lot of this was thought of when they put it together. It was originally to be the babysitter murders, right? So here are babysitters. And, He's after them, and I mean most serial killers are. That's. That they, there is some sexual kind of misogynist element. Usually, to, yeah, yeah. It's they don't feel in control of their own sexuality or their own life, and right, right. Yeah, they lash out, right, and punish those who do. So I, I kind of see him just as like a force of nature that's just like kind of, kind of this ultra, um, almost evangelical, like old school, um, evil coming back to punish like the modern world and and women for being liberated. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, I agree. They, I mean, they hint at some of the you know the old world stuff with in the novelizations with stuff yeah, like the I, I don't the think Celtic right. I know. don't think it's like that. It has to go that specific. I just think like he just operates as like a, a reaction to women's lib type of thing. Like, uh, uh, I don't feel like Halloween was doing that so much. Uh, I feel like it was. Now, Halloween rested on uh, Carpenter being a fan of Alfred Hitchcock, and Alfred Hitchcock rested on that because The Birds is totally a movie reacting to women's lib. Really? I mean, in Britain, what is one of the nicknames for women? Lass. Well, that too. (laughs) Wench. Swilly Bobble, probably. Probably. There's got to be something like that. There's definitely something called a Swilly Bobble. Yeah. Well, I was going to go with Bird, but... Yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> not like, I mean, if you watch the birds, all of the women tend to flock together. Right. And they yeah, they have their packets. They tend to attack in waves with, you right. know... Right, right. With the birds. And all of the women react to the, you know, the single women uh-huh, uh-huh. of the plot. Right. Um but did did you guys get that from the the original Michael? It, it was like a sexual kind of killing thing, like something something sexual. No, no, you don't um, think so. When like when he kills uh, Bob, like that's not really sexual. That's just a yeah, curiosity. That, that was of incidental, death. though. I mean, he he also kills the guy to get his uh, his suit. Like he he kills yeah. people that are like in his way. You know what I mean? But he still has the curiosity of the murder with them. Yeah, like yeah, you know, the, the head tilt isn't right. at one of the girls. It, right, he just. He is killing, and he is into that. Right, right. So, what so about Pat, the nurse. I'm sorry, but there ahead. was a uh, in Halloween. I want to say four, okay. maybe two. I think it's Halloween two actually, right. where there's this like typical scumbag like doctor guy, and then yeah. there's like the hot nurse, right? And then they like get in the hot tub together. That's yes. two. Yes, That's two. two. And then Michael Myers turns on the hot tub and like boils him to death or whatever. Um, I got 
a little. He bit also of... tosses a pack of ramen in there. Have you checked? Mm-hmm. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, and interestingly, he cracks an egg in there too, which is actually a good technique <laughs> sure. if you're making ramen. It's, mm-hmm. it's good. He's got to do it later in so that it doesn't overcook with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. He went a little early, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I did definitely get some type of like because myself personally, when I watched it as a young kid, I, I remember thinking, "God, I hope this guy doesn't bang this nurse," and then he didn't. And instead, he was right. boiled alive. And the little serial killer in me was like, "Good, good." <laughs> and so I could, uh, I could see how. The, I, but I don't good. know if that's necessarily a character development, or if that's just kind of a trope in uh, horror movies well, in general. I think by the it time is. they they got to part two, the the motivation was starting to lose. But I think he. Well, because the motivation completely changes in part two. Now he just wants to kill his sister, and he's killing anyone who gets in the way. Right, but in the yeah. first one, he's killing people that he sees. Right, he's just a straight he's up serial killer. He, but he's killing and women. People... He's killing like attractive women who are like the age of his sister, and kind of remind him of his sister. Yeah, yeah, but he's also killing the guys with them. Yeah, but I don't think he gets off on that. I think that's just that's just what he does. Again, the head tilt yeah, is that's, that's it's true. one that's of true. the more famous Michael gestures yeah, yeah. from the first one. That's true. I think that killing is his thing. Right. Okay. Um, well, and okay. sex is just the opportunity because people are vulnerable mm-hmm. while they're having sex. They're not paying attention. They're right. literally naked. They're defenseless. They were making love while that boy drowned. And that is exactly. not safe sex, dude. You should always be on the lookout mm-hmm. for... Check your environment. Make Killers. Make sure that... Killers. There are no killers in the room, that there are no drowning children in mm-hmm. the lake. Um, Pat, if you were to make this Halloween film, they come to you, they say, Pat, Stork, mm-hmm. you're in charge of this. Wh- how do you make, how do you get Lori into the, the picture? Just like Mike was saying, it, there's no motivation for him to go after her now. Right. And we're saying that making this Halloween, we're skipping the Rob Zombies. We're skipping everything. We're skipping everything. The studio has given an edict that you're doing a direct sequel to the first one. Yes. Not including any of the others. They which come is to you, good. they say, This is how we, we are going to make it, my uh, Pat, but uh, you have carp and launch for everything else. Right. It's going to have Jamie Lee Curtis. It's got to have the classic Michael, and all the other sequels didn't happen. Go. Mm-hmm. And it even does include the original actor that played Michael Myers in the new one. Yeah, I heard that was a sham, though. I think they actually explained that on the Halloweenies podcast. They have him for, like, one scene. They had him for one scene, but they did make sure to bring him back yeah, for a but, scene. Yeah, but, like, they advertised it as the original Michael is back, and I, yeah, it's kind of misleading. At his age, doing those stunts. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. How old is he, do you think? Probably 60-something. Yeah, I mean, I mean he the, was in his 20s when they made that one, and that was... You know, 40 years ago. So, yeah, yeah. he's got to be in his 60s, if well, not approaching yeah. 70. In theory, the real Michael Myers should be in his 60s, yeah. too. Yeah, so no, maybe... they address, they actually address that pretty well in the movie. Like, they make him an old guy, you know? They don't try to, like, he's the, you know, and he moves a little slower, you know? he does. Mm-hmm. He's not super strong, but yeah. they, they make it work, though. He yells, I mean, oh, my aching be... back in one of the scenes. And... <laughs> yeah, he actually, he has Werther's original stuff in his pocket. <laughs> he, uh... Yeah, it's, uh... Several kids die when they walk on his lawn. <laughs> that becomes his motivation in later films. Yeah, he he takes a break to watch Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> um, well, Go ahead. Yeah, One of the first things I would do is, and it's something I know Carpenter had been interested in, uh, like you said, of the effect on the town. Right. Um, basically have this town, that the town that dreaded Halloween, it's just... 
not cool to like Halloween itself has been kind of a a smudge on the record of the sure. of Haddonfield because they've had two Halloween murder sprees. I mean, right. I guess the first one wasn't really a spree. But no, but it was a murder, and then that killer came It, back it was and, a six-year-old kid that killed his sister. That would be a big deal. Yeah. And then there's a big old spree 20 years later. Mm-hmm. I was unaware of this. There's a real life? The first? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Haddonfield is actually a town in New Jersey. But, right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that town sucks. Does it? I uh, Probably. Because it's in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean Deborah Hill had to move out of there, too. You yeah. know, so. They based it in a different state. You know, for a reason. Well, they kept the name. Yeah, but yeah, you didn't. You don't film a a movie in Salem, Massachusetts, and be like, "Oh, it's Salem, Idaho." You keep it in Massachusetts because Salem's cool. You know what I'm saying? I, I, we can argue uh, how cool each state. If you want to go through each state and rate how cool they are, we can do a separate episode. Okay, because that was I was hoping for a a United States how they should have done it. Yeah. Ideally, and, if we could get well, that's there. that's you just go on Facebook and you'll see that constantly. <laughs> okay, everyone's arguing yeah, yeah. how they should be doing the United States. That's true. I'll get to my computer. Um, well, that's actually part of my pitch is the fact that Halloween was so hidden in Haddonfield, they actually pulled a Springfield and moved Haddonfield from Illinois over to say Iowa. They moved the town. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. you're fired. Get your All stuff right. and leave. <laughs> no, um, but, no. but what I want to know is what's your motivation for having Laurie Strode in this film? Uh, Laurie Strode may still live in the town or may have. Okay. Uh, but she had s- managed to move on. I would have made her possibly like her career path would have been, you know, first off, you know, trauma recovery for herself, but sure. then getting into psychology. Okay. Getting into. You know, helping other survivors right. of violence like this. Right. And another Halloween is coming around. Sure. But she has gone through enough of them. Okay. Um, she has come to grips with everything. Would it be another Michael Myers? I think that actually is the wrong way to go. I think you leave that as a tease. People think that Michael Myers is back and doing everything because mm-hmm. the body was never found. Of course. And there is that mystery, but... Right. Yeah, he's he's not young. The odds are. So, if, so you're saying it might be an imposter? We're it talking, might be an uh, imposter or imposters. Friday, Friday the 13th, part five here? It's Roy? Roy's doing it? We're not saying it's necessarily that bad of a go of it because the Roy twist. Look, it, it was, look it, I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, Pat. I'm I'm playing the part of the Hollywood producer. There's After after the, the attempts to have like copycat ones, mm-hmm. They don't play that anymore in movies. They're they're like you got to have the real guy there. I think. Yeah. This uh, I might not get hired for this one, but I would basically <laughs> go into that saying, okay. Well, first off, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. The reason it failed wasn't that it was a different killer. Right, it just sucked because Jason was a different killer than Pamela. Yeah. And that worked. Yeah. Right. Right. The problem is that they made a bad movie right. that happened to have this twist that everyone wants to blame. Yeah. But. If you want the franchise to be reborn, mm-hmm. then you do need to be able to have multiple killers. You okay. need to have the killers are as disposable as some of your victims. That's one of the things that helped Scream succeed is sure. you weren't bringing back the same killer each time. Right, and the killers right. did evolve their personality based right. on who was behind the mask. Okay. So you're saying maybe maybe no Michael throughout the whole film. Maybe, yeah. And, and it's it would, a mystery. We're trying to figure out if it's... Is it, it Michael? Is it not? It's right, not, right. but it's 
it should be fairly well established early on that it probably is not Michael. Don't get anyone's hopes up. Uh-huh. But that there is a killing spree going on. Sure. And is it a cult of Michael? Is okay. it you cult know, of Thorn? It doesn't have to be, we but it could back. be. It, okay. Like there's an option, sort of like with Kevin Williamson's original treatment for H two O. Okay. Uh, originally, that did incorporate right, all of right. the sequels. Mm. Um, that the, was really confusing. That was the first like reboot I ever witnessed in a franchise like that as a kid. Yeah, where, where they, they just, just dropped it all. all their sequels. Yeah, yeah. But no, originally he did incorporate uh, the Jamie Lloyd right. storylines and the studio, and I think Steve Miner, um, who directed it, uh-huh. were the ones who basically said, "No, let's let's just start fresh." Yeah, yeah. But they start after part two, where Michael was a charred corpse burning on the yeah. ground and had both of his eyeballs shot out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things to do, because there are so many sequels, you have the urban legend of Michael disappeared that night in I like 78. That. I like that. You have every sequel in between is what the kids have talked about. Interesting. And all of I their like different... That. Yeah. I'm into that. They could, or it could even be like movies based on the actual... Yeah. Um, and you have everybody basically, they're afraid of Halloween as now just a boogeyman. Sure. Not like the actual, was that the boogeyman? I'm afraid he was, you know? Yeah. yeah. I believe he was. Um, you have this concept of the boogeyman has taken over the town and all of the sequels can be the what if storylines. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. You have like, that'll be a little Easter egg for the fans too. Like yeah, the, exactly. The um, average viewer isn't going to know what the hell the cult no. of Thorn is, but they're going to get the concept of urban legends. Right. And Lori working, you know, in mental health. Um, maybe she's even at an asylum, you know, one, one Halloween night because she actually feels safer there. Oh, yeah. Because she's not surrounded by there's no madmen there. Well, there's madmen, but they are <laughs> ostensibly locked up. But more importantly, oh. she's not sur- surrounded by Halloween decorations. She is dedicated. She is confronted. He was not an actual force of evil. He was a crazy right, right. person. I mean, mm-hmm. I hate using the term, but... Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, she knows from all of her now career and her study... Uh-huh. This is what that was. Okay. It was just, it seemed elevated because, Mm -hmm. but there's also, for everything she's built up in her own mind and Uh been able to break back down into reality, everybody else has taken that incident and built it up into this fantasy. I'm I'm liking where you're going with this, Pat. I like how you're, part of the the problem with the new one, I thought, was they made them too human. Like, Mm -hmm. they they looked at the other sequels and they said, we don't want to make him like an unkillable Jason monster anymore. Right. He's just a crazy guy. Yeah. But the thing is, he he was kind of in between in the first Mm -hmm. one. You know, he wasn't just like Henry portrait of a serial killer running around. He was kind of a supernatural phantom in a way. He He took a lot of hits. Right. He got shot multiple times. He got stabbed in the eye. He got, Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of damage done. Yes, the body was never found. Right. But there are plenty of people that go missing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All the time. Yeah, and they could be like, are you sure you shot him that many times, Dr. Loomis? Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe you only hit him once or twice or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but he might have wandered into the woods and gotten eaten by, you know, scavenging right, animals. Right. Well, we'll, we'll get back to your idea in a minute. I want to I throw in my idea for uh, how you get Jamie Lee Curtis back in the thing. What if she's like Loomis now? Okay. What if she is? This is how I. This is how I don't like how they did it in H two O and this one. How she's like kind of a wreck, you know. Mm-hmm. She's not like the likable, lovable character from the first one. 
And I want I want to feel like she overcame that. You know, like he didn't take that away from her. She's still like a likable, bubbly, happy mm-hmm. person. And I almost would even make her a lesbian because the, the first movie kind of had these parallels about how she's like scared to date. You know, she's like a virgin and she's like nervous about dating and stuff and all her friends are dating. And then the boogeyman comes and he's, you know, it, that doesn't help her uh, perception of men. Yeah. I could almost see her being gay. I don't think that's why people generally are gay. <laughs> I feel like it's not necessarily a trauma. Right. Flips a switch. But I could see her feeling more sapphic uh, safety. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, I would say maybe she even doesn't connect or have uh, romantic relationships. Yeah, I could see that too. Yeah. yeah. But, but in general, I mean, she's traumatized, but she's still strong. You know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. like worked through it. Yeah. Um, and But she starts to notice that she's for years she's followed these killing sprees. That kind of see Michael Myers ish. We have yeah. him disappear at the end, and uh, of part one, we we are loyal to that. I thought it was Lane Howe in the new one. They're like they arrested him down the street or something, you know? Yeah, but I I appreciated the quick shorthand. It w- it wasn't as satisfying, but mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, we're into here. Right, we're moving on to the part where shit goes wrong. So Lori is like investigating a little bit on the internet and everything. She's becoming Loomis to some degree. Mm-hmm. And she kind of sees uh, these these killing sprees. And of course, like you said, all the police are like, oh, he probably just died out in the woods or something. You know, he, he couldn't have made it that far. Yeah. Uh, we just never found his body. But she starts to suspect that he's still been alive this 40 years and randomly popping up and killing women. Mm-hmm. And she sees it kind of curving back to Haddonfield towards Halloween, and she gets this idea that he wants to go on one last killing spree 40 years later, maybe because he's dying. Uh, he wants to go on... Like one last run, like yeah, a farewell tour. Yeah, and go back to the, to the place where it originally happened. Um, to do that, I mean, and it, honestly, I can see where our ideas uh, you know, so far can align. Yeah. If, if she is feeling that way and thinking about it, I'd say a great quick way to get that taken care of i mean yeah you might see that she has a folder you know on her laptop but i think when she is in therapy personally Uh we can set a lot of this in tone and also having a therapist who goes to therapy is honest right um but it sets up that she's confident because she has worked on dealing with her issues yeah but she also says i know it's crazy to do this but for some reason, I find it satisfying. I find it soothing. Right. That I'm not closing my eyes. Even if it's not Michael, there are murders out there. Uh-huh. And it can't hurt to look into them. Right. It right. can't hurt to be aware of patterns. And maybe someday my obsession where I'm, you know, or where, you know, where I feel like I'm broken is going to save somebody's life because right. I will spot a pattern on somebody we didn't catch. Right. Okay. Like you can set it up that she understands that it's ridiculous and crazy, even though as it turns out, it could be. Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's read another one before we we talk more about our ideas. This is from uh, Michael Stainsbury, Newcastle in the UK, Hattonfield, UK. I think a lot of fans of the series dislike how they retconned all the sequels up to that point. I really enjoyed Halloween 2018, but the gravitas and infamy they gave Michael just doesn't seem to fit if they kept it as a direct sequel to one. So my, what they should have done is simple, keep the sequels as canon, 
keep Lori being his sister as canon, because fuck it, why not? The 2018 film is silly and pulpy anyway. You could have worked the family angle in, but not revolved the whole point around it. But apart from that, keep the film itself relatively the same. Erasing the sequels just seemed like a meaningless oversight. You know, I kind of figure if you squint really hard, you could make this be canon after Resurrection. She, Lori lives. Michael's already at the institution. They capture him. No, but the thing, like, Lori definitely was killed, killed in Resurrection. One no, I don't think so. She fell like 30 feet. She could live. Wasn't she stabbed and then dropped? Yeah, but so what? Mm-hmm. If your head's not missing, you're fine. I know. And it even is... then, she might have switched it with an ambulance driver. Yeah, but that's... Yeah. Okay. Well, there are issues with those. Uh, that's the thing is I. But one thing I enjoyed the the sequels. Uh-huh. But I understand the camp involved in mm-hmm. them. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's it, it. It sounds. I don't want this to be campy. If we're gonna right. make, if we're gonna make a real dead on, try to capture the magic of the first one again. We got to go all in with the seriousness. Yeah. And um. And the thing is, there's so many good uh, horror movie directors these days, and and the general audience seems to be appreciating really good horror movies these days. It's not like in 2004, where unless it's you know, uh, it murders every five seconds, people won't show up for it. Yeah. But like like slow burners are kind of like coming back, and I want you to get one of these great directors. You know, like one of these guys who lately that really care about horror movies. Mm-hmm. You know, and and have them craft. A film that is that has you know the pacing and the music and all that is part of the terror and the tension, and yeah. not just have another pulpy fun one. And so I actually think, especially for a lot of around what we've been talking about and dealing with the psychology of it, uh, Ari Aster might be in a really interesting choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm curious to see what he does, you know, over his next couple of movies because he said he wants to do good, like branch more into direct comedy. Uh huh. Because uh, a lot of his short films were comedy. He just got into making horror because that was the first script of his greenlit. Right. But I could see him being able to blend like Gallows. Well, he has already done Gallows humor in his mm-hmm. movies. Um, I think he could do something really interesting with the idea of the town and the idea of the psychology of yeah. uh, you know, Laurie. Uh, we would just have to keep him on... Um, Runtime. Yeah, I feel like just so many. I really. It doesn't even have to be Halloween. I want someone, one of these guys, one of these new directors to make a really good slasher film because there's so few. Because they always get. There's good campy ones, mm-hmm. but there's very few serious ones that are good. And they. Because yeah. they always get it wrong. They never. Like Halloween is just so perfectly paced mm-hmm. and, and like edited in the sound and the lighting and everything. And then it builds up to like this, you know, like some of the most uh, uh, tense 15 minutes of, of film at the end. You know, like that final chase yeah. is just nail biting suspense. And uh, they they never capture that really. They kind of do in Halloween too a little bit, which yeah. is why that's like you know one of the best sequels. Is like there's actually suspense in it. Yeah, um, honestly, uh, uh, in 2018, I thought that the school bus sequence was legitimately tense. I thought really? that was a really good sequence. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, I, uh, there's a reason why some of the most suspenseful ones 
stand out so much, Psycho, yeah. Halloween, Henry, right, um, is because it's so hard to do. But right. with any horror, if you have a good scare, if you have a good tone, if you do it right, uh-huh. you're doing something new. Or you're doing a you new think so? version. You're doing at least a new version right. of... To me, it's just that that final chase in the first one is just so amazing. Yeah. And I, I want someone to attempt to recreate that with a new that's, setting. or Recreating that is the problem with horror is when a scare works, mm. people want to use that scare in right. their movie. Right. And it doesn't work because now we know what that scare is. We know how it plays out. I don't think that's it, Pat. I think I disagree. Because when I, I, still, I know how Halloween's going to end, mm-hmm. but it still has me biting my nails every time. Right, I'm saying when people try to imitate it, they don't imitate it. They might imitate the way it's shot, or they might imitate the right, sound. They copy the wrong stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It's you tell a good joke, and somebody right, else right. tells your right. joke. They're yeah, but not they don't get hit. the essence of it. They don't get like the that, yeah. that unspeakable uh, kind of atmospheric vibe. Right. That's like like really takes an artist to do. Yeah, like we were saying about Halloween too. It's okay. What worked about Empire Strikes Back? Oh, they found out he's Vader's son. That's not what worked about Empire Strikes Back. That is a part of it, and that was shocking. But the whole movie has other things that make that moment work. And and I think the entire slasher slasher genre almost, like 99% of it, is that with Halloween. Just bad imitations of the Mm -hmm. wrong things from it. You know what I mean? Or Carpenter in general, there's bad imitations of the thing. Mm -hmm. There's bad imitations of... Wow. Uh, Escape from New York, maybe? Oh, that's kind of oh a, there's a ton of bad imitations right. of Escape from New York. Um, but yeah, I was trying to think more hard. Oh, there's not really that many imitations of Memoirs of an Invisible Man. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, it's, I just feel like, you know, after Freddy Krueger hit, it became supernatural, unkillable, right. mm-hmm. wisecracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the wisecracking um, serial killer okay. became yeah. a staple. So, so what forward. what would your Michael be like then? In the 2018, yeah. Um, well, it would basically standing, stalking, watching, and being that my idea was that there is a cult of Michael mm-hmm. that it starts off as almost kind of a. I mean, I'm, I, the term flash mob is pretty dead, <laughs> but. It, it it starts off as a prank. It starts right. off as kids just trying to sure. do it as an homage to it, and we like to be creepy. Right. But within that group is somebody who's unbalanced uh-huh. and is using it to kill. But that doesn't mean he's connected to all of the other people okay. or that they're like in that. one board. So you have people dressed like Michael that right. might even be getting shot by the cops or shot by people in the town. Right, okay. The town... Turns against, or they drop one of them uh, chain nets from part five on them. Exactly, like but that. unfortunately, it's an actual heavy chain net, and it cracks the kid's spine. Or, <laughs> you know, but like the town going insane right. because this is happening and reacting, uh-huh. especially the older people in town who remember mm-hmm. that immediate fear. They start just shooting anybody yeah. you know who's approaching their house dressed like this. So you've got innocent kids. Getting killed okay. off by the town. Meanwhile, the so ma- mass killer. panic is what you're going for. Yes, here. hysteria. Yeah, all right. I like it's it. something that Halloween two dabbled in. Sure. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. Yeah, but like you just really go for it. Mm-hmm. So the town is losing its shit and killing just as many people as the actual serial killer who's going out trying to do a copycat. Right. And you might even have that he is, well, 
It depends how much you want to show his motivation. But maybe he's getting off on everybody killing each other. Uh-huh, he uh-huh. just does one or two to yeah, get so them all Yeah, so it's like, rolling. where does it begin? Where does yeah. it end? Who's the real monster here? And how Who's are you going to catch him if he stops killing after the second one and lets everyone else go after each other? Interesting. I like that. That's that's really creative. But as, as far as stylistically, you, you would have like the original kind of Michael just creeping around, just kind of yeah. It would be there's like that fear of being watched that they capture in the second act the, of Halloween it's, that we need more of in movies. You know. Yeah, I mean the tone of Michael is initially set by going through his eyes and w- observing, right. like you are the voyeur going through his first kill. Uh-huh. You keep that. Um. But then as the film progresses, most of the time you see Michael, he's not killing. He's watching. He's right, standing right, there yeah, staring. Yeah. He's across the yeah. street and it's staring. That fear of like someone stalking you and watching you. Yeah. You know, that's that's part of why the second act of Halloween is so great. You know, just the the just it feels like you're walking home from school and and there's some weird guy staring at you. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell if he's looking at you and then he kind of disappears. Yeah. It's kind of like on The Simpsons, that dog with the shifty eyes. He's right. gonna do something. <laughs> uh let's read another one here. This is from Kylie Miracle Corbin, Kentucky. I enjoyed it. It felt more authentic to the original movie. I did enjoy some of the later ones and was very creeped out by them, but I'm okay with them going back on it and doing what they did. Unpopular opinion here, but I absolutely hated Rob Zombie's ones. Uh, I think the 2018 movie was done well and right. Yeah, I don't think... um, The Rob Zombie ones were interesting to some degree. They weren't the same old thing, but they were... They're they're so sleazy in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, you know? I mean, they don't even attempt to capture any type of suspense or anything. Yeah, that's one of my huge issues with them is that the first... Like, the original is a suspense movie. Right. Rob Zombie gives you, what, like, basically 45 minutes. Like, the first half, if not a little more, of the movie is all the backstory. Yeah, which was interesting. It's interesting, but that makes firmly Michael the main character. Mm. You don't even meet Laurie Strode until halfway through. So to build a sympathy for her to carry you through the rest of the movie... Uh doesn't work. That's another thing we got to talk about is that our characters have to be really likable and realistic and Even relatable. if not likable, relatable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like they were in the first one. Yeah. Felt natural. Mm-hmm. These are people who know each other. These are people who are going to mourn each other. Right. You find your friend's body, it's upsetting. Mm-hmm. And way too many horror movies are like, uh-oh, and then just... Yeah, and it just it just feels like walking around your old your own neighborhood as a kid, you know, yeah. like when they're when they're walking. And uh, let me ask you this though, Pat, how where did your Michael come from? After part one, he disappears. Obviously, mm-hmm. what's his what's his story for the next forty years? Or do you just not go into it? Don't go into it at all. Uh, that's to go into it is to dissect the frog. Okay, you can understand it, but you kill it. Right. If we go into Michael and we find out what happened to him, then that unfortunately betrays the mystery of the urban legend around the town. Right. If there is an actual answer as to what happened, uh-huh. somebody would have found it and it right. would have squashed all of the stories. Well, let me tell you my idea. Mine's a little more pulpy than yours. Okay. Let's say, um, okay, so I was thinking what would happen right after Loomis sees that the body's gone? Mm-hmm. And at first I was thinking he would run after him, but then I thought, no, I think he would actually stay with Laurie and protect her until the 100%, cops got there. 100%, yes. Because uh, this guy can pop up anywhere. So as soon as he runs down the stairs, Michael might come up. 
Um, so he stays in protection. When the cops get there, he tries to explain that he shot him and we got to go look for him. And the cops are like, really? You shot him that many times? Like, they're, they're still kind of skeptical with him. Mm-hmm. So he finds a trail of blood uh, and he follows it. And it goes back to the Myers house. And, and the last we see Loomis, he's going back to check it out. And then later, the police come to the Myers house and Loomis is dead. And we don't know how or why. He's not stabbed or anything. He's just dead. And Myers is nowhere to be found. Okay. And then no one sees him for 40 years that yeah. they're aware of. That's I, I don't feel like that's going in a different direction. I feel like that fits in perfectly. Mm-hmm. That you know, Again, that builds the story of nobody really understands how that night ended. Right. Because there's a claim that Loomis said he shot him six times. Yeah. Laurie said, I'm pretty sure he shot him. But both of, like, Loomis is dead and Laurie was traumatized, so it's all suspect and everybody right, casts right. doubt on and, all and of it. And it could have a little bit of, like, a, a vengeance for Dr. Loomis type of thing going on with Laurie, too, because he saved her life. Yeah. So now And she, feels- she wants to follow in his footsteps and yeah. help other people. Yeah. 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 Um, and another thing I would have is, like, when Michael reappears, the mask and the suit have... He just picked those up out of convenience, really. Yeah, they, they, were, so, they were completely arbitrary. Right. So let's just have him, like, be dressed normal. You know, like, just whatever. He, he's just stolen clothes over the years. Yeah. Have him be like that for a while. Then maybe at the end, there's, like, something... What's that? You would see his face, is what you're saying? Well, he'd be in the shadows and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I mean, uh, seeing his face was always played as this huge mystery. The unmasking of, like, in the first movie, you yeah, see his face. face. Yeah, yeah, the actor's name is Moran, too. Oh, the one that shows his face, yeah. Because yeah. uh, one of the others is Nick Castle, uh-huh. who wound up directing The Last Starfighter. Wow. Uh, and also the Dennis the Menace movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He just, I mean, he went in, you know, general studio directing sure. work. But, yeah. Sure, sure. Well, um, yeah, I mean, maybe he's not, you know, just dressed like your average Joe, but he's not like, he doesn't have that official suit on. Right. He, it's not his murder uniform. Yeah, and I always got the sense that the reason he put on the mask is was mostly to be undetected on Halloween. Like, you're not, you don't know who he is if he's got a mask on. I know there's something psychological there, too, because he killed his sister with a mask. And I think that's the thing is, I don't know why he put the mask on, but I feel like he may have... Like, without the mask, quiet, catatonic, right. sits there. Um, yeah. He stands there, you know, stoic and silent without the mask when his parents pull it, pull it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's in, when he's in Smith's Grove, Loomis, you know, said, like, he basically would just sit there and stare. Yeah. So I think the mask is where he his personality comes out. Like, hmm. something about that allows... Yeah. him to be this other thing. Yeah, definitely. I could see that. Um I think it's it was kind of a dual thing, but um I so in my version, maybe he would just get it for the third act and it would just be kind of like some kid is like dressed up like Michael Myers or something like that and he mm-hmm. steals his clothes and he steals the mask cuz he wants to recreate that first that first night of killing. Hmm. How how would your well, it's, your Michael would be a copycat anyway, so they would just Right. So yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the the mask is iconic to the series. You have to have it incorporated. Right. Um, but at the same time, yeah, what? That's why I that's why I feel like not having it be Michael, but having people in the Michael mask right. can keep it 
Yeah. Still involved. Yeah. You know. So would yours have an answer at the end, or would it remain a mystery whether it was really him or not? Uh, it would be firmly established that there was a copycat, and it would be firmly established that the townspeople did kill innocent people. Uh-huh. And all of that is something that the town is going to have to deal with. Right. Uh, to give a firm answer would cut off the idea of a sequel. Right. And if they're giving me money for one, they might give me money for two or three more. Yeah, if yours is uh, successful, they certainly will. Exactly. So I feel like what, giving an answer would be a bad idea there, but as to whether Michael was involved or not, there's always... I like, I like, like that. I like yeah. that. I like, mean, and you can like debate. You could look at the different Michaels and be like, "No, that's how he walks." Or like, "This guy's clearly not really him because mm-hmm. he does this instead of that," or something like yeah. that. You know? No, that's a, that's a great idea. What are you thinking of our ideas so far, Jimmy? Have I we got really, a hit on our hands. I really like uh, kind of the combination of the two of yours. I like the idea of branching away from the original killer. I think that that is like when you were talking about how. Uh, Scream had a lot of success because mm. it was like the person behind the mask was always changing. It was always yep. Scream, but Scream was always someone different. Right. I think that was crucial. Um, but also, I like kind of where you were going with it, where it, it, it's Michael Myers, but it's not necessarily him like the way you're used to seeing him. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Like I could kind of get behind that imagery of him in like some clothes he found in the dumpster when he escaped. And it's just like, it's just like a crazy, like homeless guy. He's older, he's raggedy, Mm. something like Mm. that. And he's just like psycho. Maybe, maybe you could incorporate those two elements into the film where like the main killer is a Michael, like, like maybe the Michael Myers doing the killing in the film is in that uniform, but it's not Michael Myers. It's just like where he was going with the copycat thing, which is Mm. true. The copycat thing is very hit or miss. I feel. Like, I, I just don't movies. feel like they would. They would because like they tried to make a part four kind of like that. Like Carpenter wanted to make Halloween four be like kind of, kind of like the ghost of Michael haunting this town type mm-hmm. of thing. And they're like, no, we have to have like the real Michael Myers in it. Yeah. You just you know you have to shift up. I think the thing that I found most, I, the 2018 Halloween was, it was just okay to me. Yeah. You know, like I was excited to see it because I always liked the series. I'm not nearly as big of a horror fan as you guys are, clearly. Um, but I. <laughs> so you haven't fantasized about your own version of this yet? <laughs> you know, I have not put too much, but I, I, it's enjoyable listening to what you guys come up with because honestly, the stuff that you guys have been saying, along with our confessions, uh, have intrigued me more than the kind of uh-huh. baseline. There wasn't enough. There comes a point when you you keep rebooting. Like one of the things I found that the Batman series did so well uh-huh. was when Christopher Nolan was it Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. who redirected the newest ones. Mm-hmm. Um, he took it in such a different direction. You know, he took he took it this much darker route where mm-hmm. Batman movies were always kind of like a little bit more playful. You had the yeah. Riddler and yeah. the Penguin and stuff. Right. You know, Jack Nicholson and uh, Danny DeVito and Jim Carrey, and then they took it a completely different direction. Which is, if you're going to continually remake a movie series over and over and over again, uh-huh. you have to take a different tactic yeah. at a certain point. Yeah, I feel like it could have been more of like an art house adult horror movie type mm-hmm. of thing, like uh, like um, like a Silence of the Lambs or something like that. Yeah, where like you know, Laurie's like we get into the psychology of it all in the mythology, 
and and maybe like Lori kind of figures out Michael's Achilles heel type mm-hmm. of thing. Honestly, you know, even Laurie, I know this might be sacrilege. Uh, I feel like Laurie could go. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. She isn't, they don't necessarily need her. I mean, I mean, yeah. they did do a bunch of sequels without her. Yeah. Uh, I think from a marketing standpoint, having Jamie Lee Curtis involved right. gives it an air of credibility. Right. Having her not in it is, oh, I guess we can skip this one. Uh, having John Carpenter involved again has been huge for the new uh-huh. ones. Um, so I th- I feel like Laurie is mainly there as kind of a prestige thing. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But, w- but I feel like most people want her. And, it, you know, yeah. I feel like it could be real. I thought it was unrealistic how people survive serial killers. Rarely do they become like these survivalist Rambo types who turn their house into a mousetrap. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I thought that was like too too ridiculous. It was a little too... Uh, let's just say it was a little too 2018 in how, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is this badass bitch. Well, is gonna, yeah, well, like, that's right, what I'm dude. saying. Yeah, yeah. It, she can still be like the, the, the fresh, vibrant girl that she was in the first one and yeah. still have this like, bro, this like, you know, idea in her that, that, uh, that she's figured out how to defeat Michael or, yeah. which you know is what I mean? a, another thing, uh, like going back to the, Laurie as John Carpenter theory is she's been like, she's had the, you know, he's had the threat of the Halloween movies getting made again, his whole career. And at this point he's finally like, Oh, you're green lighting one. How do I do everything I possibly can to kill this franchise for you? (laughs) Like, what can we do to stop making these? Like, Uh, let's throw everything at it. Right. Right. And that's what they do to Michael. They just, they go all out. Uh They're like, if like if you step back and look at it on the meta level, I mean that's one of the things I definitely appreciate about it. So, but um, yeah, that's why when it gets ridiculous in itself, right? I feel like outside of it, it still worked for me. Okay, well let's read uh, the last one here from Marco Gonzalez, Baltimore. I think 2018 would have been perfect if they had just trimmed about 25 to 30 percent of it. These are generally good old-fashioned pure slasher movies with simple formulas. So I think the only way the movie suffered from was simply having too much packed into it. The first one for me was Allison's boyfriend Cameron and their friend Oscar. Throughout the movie, they build up Cameron as the asshole boyfriend who ends up emotionally betraying the protagonist. In horror movie rules, that should be that should have been a sentence to one of the worst deaths in the entire movie. But instead, he just kind of disappears, and that death is transferred to Oscar who up until a few minutes ago before his death wasn't that bad. I think they should have cut Oscar and finished out Cameron's arc with Oscar's death. Dr. Sartain should have been cut altogether. Michael doesn't need help escaping from the psychiatric facility. We've seen uh, he's a master of escape many times. Also back to the simple formula. If it's a Halloween movie, you really need Michael Myers as your bad guy. I could have seen them trying to make Sartain be the final villain in this movie for the sake of trying something new. But this reveal was followed immediately by the death. The whole thing felt unnecessary. Another thing I noticed, but it wasn't as big a deal for me, I thought there were more cop-prominent characters than was necessary, and I think they clouded the story progression a little bit. But again, I loved most of the movie. I thought the true crime podcasters at the beginning were a perfect plot device because they reintroduced the story in a modern context and set everything in motion so as soon as they could serve their then as soon as they served their purpose, they were efficiently disposed of in a way that sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Also, anytime Michael was on screen was fantastic. That tracking shot of him 
wandering from house to house, killing people is one of the coolest shots I've ever seen in a slasher movie. I agree with that. Uh, was, yeah, that yeah. was an amazing sequence. And Jamie Lee Curtis once again killed it as Laurie. I will say with uh, with the doctor, again, just speaking on the meta level, mm. I felt like he was representative of the Akkad family. Oh, interesting. And he is the gatekeeper of Michael. Right, and right. He feel, he and knows, Carpenter wanted to uh, smash his head with his boot. Basically, yeah, because <laughs> Carpenter and Akkad definitely right, did not right. get along based on yeah. the history of how they went. Carpenter wanted to do interesting things with the series. Mm-hmm. Akkad just wanted... Right, you know, originally Mustafa he wanted to make got, money. He, he wanted, wanted to make he wanted money, to go the, right the, out the most broad possible horror. Yeah, and, and, like, and Carpenter wanted to do something art. Yeah, let's really. just keep getting Michael out yeah. there and see what he does, and that's what the Doctor does. He's mm-hmm. curious, like let's just re- let's just re-release him. And Interesting. I wasn't putting these meta connections together. I'm glad you're bringing these up. Yeah, I, I overthink sometimes when I watch movies. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> anyway, the way that Laurie should have, <laughs> I think she on her left hand she maybe has like a ring. No. Um, uh, I'm rewatching Twin Peaks, so it's just how my brain is working right can now. Can I just say because it's on the. I, uh, I've been thinking more about what would make it kind of cool uh-huh. about what you guys are talking about. Right. And like, what if that whole time, like the Michael Myers that's in full uniform, the copycat version is kind of mm-hmm. like going through the movie. No one knows it's not him. Right. Obviously. But this crazy, homeless, vagabond type of like weird guy, you're kind of like, He's kind of like a B story, maybe, or maybe there's some way he's incorporated. I'm sitting right here, Jimmy. <laughs> we get to what you're saying. <laughs> he's kind of there, and nobody knows that that's the real Michael Myers. This, okay. He's, he's, he's not kind really of watching ever, from afar. He's not and really ever explained. Yeah, he could be watching, and you could see him even give like he's got that voyeuristic thing. He's just watching. He's being the Michael from the original Halloween. So uh-huh. yes. that could be Michael there, right? And all of the copycats are a little bit more violent, a little mm. bit more gratuitous, mm-hmm. uh-huh. because all of these copycats are the remakes. So uh, if you okay. want to go that meta route, yeah. everybody has tried to remake Halloween as its own thing, as other things. Right. And the original Michael is standing by the side. That's good. I like just, that. Yeah. These and are good what ideas. if in the final scene? All right. Final scene. Here we go. The real Michael, the fake Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Has Laurie, if we got to put Laurie in there, okay. which, okay, fine. Prestige, you're right. Prestige, you need to prestige. You need people, you need to put asses in seats. We're twisting yeah, your arm. She, Jamie is, Lee she is about the only marquee star yes. you can put in one where it means something. Yeah, yeah. Unless you do what Mike said, which is bring back Busta Rhymes. <laughs> 100% no, that movie is an abomination. <laughs> so, final scene. The fake Michael Myers in uniform. Everybody thinks it's the real Michael Myers. Right. About to kill Laurie. Okay. The crazy homeless vagabond kills the Michael Myers guy. And the audience is like, what the fuck? Did he just kill this guy? He takes off the mask, puts it on, puts it on. And then you realize that guy was the real Michael Myers the whole time. I'm liking it. And then, I don't know, maybe the movie cuts. Maybe, maybe I don't know. You just see him walking away down the street. He just walks away and doesn't kill Mm -hmm. Laurie. And it's like, what the fuck did we just watch? Sequel. He could... He could right. pick up the mask and walk away, not putting it on, but just holding it in his hand like a severed head. Yeah, and yes. you just see him. Yeah, almost like that Spider-Man No More cover. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, yeah just walks could away. Be... He's like, I'm not putting on the mantle, but I'm still out there. Right, and he's holding this severed right. head of the. I, I do kind of like this idea that he's yeah. just been in the town the whole time. Just like, yeah. I don't know if it's because I kicked the heat, but I, I, I just gave myself chills. 
<laughs> no man, we're coming up with good ideas this here. Is, this is a lot you, of fun you look stuff. at you look at these movies sometimes, and you're like, how did were people really sitting around and they came up with Jason X like this? Yeah. You know, like yeah. hey, I paid salary. We're doing this for free. I didn't even get a I fucking know. coffee. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel um, like Jason X. I, I I love Jason X, but I, I, I like it enough for what it is. But it's and like, that's the thing. What for what it is is they're like these movies have gotten ridiculous, right? Uh, we yeah, could go like back to camp. Fun. We've already brought him back from the yeah. dead. Then we had a telekinetic yeah. girl, which is fine to do the the silly yeah. fun pulpy version. Yeah, we've sent him to hell and back. We've had body hopping, right? Right. So sending him to space is actually Glover. less ridiculous than what we've been doing. Yeah, and. Why not? Let's just put Jason wherever. Let's like right. make Jason the Abbott and Costello. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, well, well, Jason that worked in part six really well. Oh, part six is my favorite. Where they're like, this isn't a sl- this isn't a horror franchise anymore. It's a no. fun monster movie type of thing. Basically, yeah, it's we, we got to go over the top mm-hmm. and camping. Nobody is here for the heroes. Right, right. It's the same thing. Uh, Bride of Chucky uh-huh. picked up. Yeah, on. yeah. There's a time for me. There's there's always like a line where a slasher franchise becomes a monster movie franchise. Yes, you know what I mean. It becomes all about the villain. Mm-hmm. It's they're not keeping them in the shadows. They're not trying to do suspense. And if they do it right, it can be really good. Yeah, it can be really fun. But in my perfect world, we're making a serious, really well done sequel. Yeah, and if if I was basically approached by a studio to make a Halloween movie, I would take it as seriously as anything I've ever done in my life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, okay, we got Jimmy's version of the the vanquishing or the the final final act. I like like the idea of Michael, like original Michael – has just yeah been like the a homeless person living in Haddonfield ignored right because most people know him by the mask yeah yeah, yeah. so we have this old homeless guy that's just popped up in the background periodically uh-huh. and what's his deal nobody knows because he doesn't have the mask he's yeah. not wearing the jumpsuit uh-huh. like you don't tell on it and he just doesn't talk right yeah yeah but I'm liking that. I'm thinking that that's a good way to go, but I want to tell you what I thought of before. Okay. okay. Well, number one, Lori, and, okay, she finds his Achilles heel, but that we really have to think about. Like, what is it psychologically that he does and why and how, which Loomis couldn't figure out, but she figures out exactly what it is, so she's able to catch him and trap him. What that is, I'm not sure, but we... <laughs> But it, I, if I had the, if we were really doing this, I'd sit down for hours and hours and hours and try to figure it out. But at some point, she tricks him into being in some some house, maybe one of the neighborhood houses, and, and somehow knocks him over the banister like like he did to her in the first one. And he and he falls down and crunches on the floor, and he's all mangled up. And uh, she has an axe, and she goes up to him, and she's like, you know, I I'm really glad that you wear this mask because. It'd be a lot harder for me if I actually saw you as a human and saw your face to do this. And then so, of course, he is able to move enough to pull his mask up. Mm-hmm. And and she's like, oh, no. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can kill you. Like, let, let me see your face. And she sees the scar from the needle in part one mm-hmm. and his eye from part one. And she's like, yep, that's really you. And then chops his head off. And it's basically an apology for Halloween resurrection. Yeah. You can you can rip that and you can have her tr- like basically fucking with him. Yeah, yeah. And then we know that John Carpenter really killed him off this time too. Exactly. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've uh, put together a pretty cool, 
idea yeah, for a film. Yeah, that's a solid pitch. We could have a treatment banged out pretty quick, except that they're already filming the third one. So yeah, yeah well, they make but, reboots every ten years. We'll just yeah, this is true. Twenty twenty eight. Just wait a couple years. It'll be. It, have you ever uh, attempted to make a film before, Pat? Uh, yeah. Um, I've. I mean, on the micro budget level, sure. Uh, I've helped out with a bunch of stuff. Like uh-huh. I've helped out uh, Chris Lamartino on a couple of his, uh-huh. uh, Jimmy O'Burrell on you know a lot of the Chainsaw Sally stuff, uh, Good Sisters, uh, my uh, Sean Jones on Camp Killer. Um, on my own, I wrote one that I co-star in with uh, a couple, uh, just basically a lot of our local folks mm. uh, that Sean directed, uh, Corpus Christi, which I think is on YouTube, but. Mm. Video quality is not strong. Uh, we shot it in a week for, uh, I think, under a grand. I know that. I'm pretty sure it was under a grand. Anyway, um, but well, yeah, micro budget. Right. And then. Um, That's a micro budget. <laughs> I feel like a micro budget is like 20 bucks in a camcorder. Uh, well, I, I also filmed uh, in one weekend, I filmed a zombie movie. Uh, that I need to get out there somewhere. I have it on my hard drive. I just, oh, for wow. some reason, never put it up on Link Vimeo or anything. Brew of the Dead. Huh. But yeah, we literally, set, Friday night, ran all the rehearsals. Saturday, shot the entire thing, <laughs> a feature. And then Sunday, dealt with our hangovers and <laughs> had more pizza. Wow. Yeah. But uh, I've... I would like to get back to making stuff just, uh-huh. you know, on right. our local and small scale. I've yeah. got ideas. Yeah. I'd, just... love to, yeah, I'd love to work on a movie at some point. I mean, I have a little bit too, but not much. Yeah. Um, but okay, just real quick. Do you have a sequel to your film in mind? To this Halloween? Yeah, to the one you made. To the one I made? Not in particular. Uh, I kind of feel like drop a few hints and ideas mm-hmm. like know that there are a couple of right. roads in there but then wait and right check see, that, the reaction that's, that's the problem which, that's yeah. the problem with that is that you don't want to you want to make it self-contained film but then on the other hand if you have a sequel you don't want that to, you want there to be something leading into it you know yeah. what i mean you want threads to be picked up well making a self-contained film means you satisfy all of your major questions that you've posed uh-huh in that film, but that doesn't mean that the entire world and environment of it ceases to exist. Right. You can have thematic subplots that can then be explored further as the thing to go into in the next one. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's room to be able to set up things uh-huh. that don't leave it unsatisfying. Right, right, right. All right. Well, I think this has been a lot of fun, you guys. This yeah. is uh, a really, really has. I'm I'm satisfied with our pitches here. Same. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll do this again sometime. Uh, how they should have done it, the the confessional edition of that. And uh, Jimmy, where can people find the confessional? Should they uh, want to participate? You can find us on. First of all, if you want to participate in the show, that's the big one. Um, go to Facebook.com/slash/confessionalpodcast you will find that Mike posts the topic of the week every week, and you can submit your confessionals either publicly on the post as a comment, or you can private message Mike your confession if you want it to be read anonymously. Uh, Other than that, we are streaming on all platforms. All cool ones. You have a weird one. We're not on like VHS or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, Or Quibi. Yeah, Quibi. (laughs) Like, you know... 
get a life and then uh get on spotify right po- apple podcasts stitcher google play all the big ones. everywhere all the big ones uh, and where can people find your podcast, Jimmy, live from the studio? Oh, yeah. I do a podcast called Live from the Studio with Eric Glazer, uh, conveniently right out of the same studio. We got a little we got a little um, dynasty coming. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Network. I, 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 you're, you're a mogul. A mogul. We're moguling out of this studio, this yeah. small little garage with no bathroom <laughs> taking over. Uh, you don't tell people that. As yeah. far as they know, we have a whole team of engineers. And, and I'm in the bathroom right now. That we yeah. definitely have. It's the best acoustics. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah there Good you cover, go, Jimmy. Um, so yeah, that's live from the studio. You can follow us LFTS podcast on lit British literally everything. Literally, 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 literally everything. Spotify, all that stuff. YouTube for sure. Uh, okay, all right, Pat. Uh, do you have anything you want to promote, or where can people find you? Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, Peace Stork Be More, I think. I don't remember. But honestly, like I said, it's, you know, I've been kind of shut down in quarantine. Okay. Um, so I'm not doing as many live events as, well, I'm, I'm doing none. Right. For the time being. Uh, and right now I've mainly been writing up like outlines and pitches on things so that at some point maybe oh, yeah. I can shop around yeah. some screenplays. Um, awesome. I've got comic book pitches. Awesome. At the ready. But yeah, right now I'm in a holding pattern. So I'd just say Google me. And if you find any of my old stuff out there, check it out. Right. Just be forgiving because a lot of it's from when I was younger and not as good at things. <laughs> really, really selling it there, Pat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say, right. yeah if, if you had to find one, uh, I'm particularly proud of Muppet Sherlock Holmes. If you uh, can find yeah. a copy of that out there. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. This has been Confessional. We'll see you next time. <laughs>